From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up. Now we need to go to community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, and oftentimes door to door, literally knocking on doors to get help to the remaining people protected from the virus. That was President Joe Biden announcing yesterday that having failed at getting 70 percent of Americans vaccinated with the COVID shot by July the 4th, his administration now plans to take their COVID campaign door to door. Of course, not everyone is thrilled with the idea of a federal bureaucrat knocking on your door, checking to see if you've gotten your COVID shot. And while the administration is pushing their COVID intrusion further into the lives of Americans, some in Congress are responding to the concerns of their constituents. And some are trying to stop the intrusion by the, ending the government's mandate of mask on public transportation. South Carolina Congressman Ralph Norman joins us on this and more. And on the heels of the Chinese Communist Party celebrating 100 years of their repressive regime, Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts declared... The month of July, Victims of Communism Remembrance Month. Governor Ricketts uh, has had some sharp words for the Chinese Communist Party, and he's here later to tell us why. Yesterday, we talked about the National Education Association's blatant push to teach critical race theory in 14,000 school districts across the country. Well, amid growing backlash, they quietly took down the measures promoting CRT, which the were adopted last week at their annual meeting. What are they hiding? Daniel Kurtz, Stanley Kurtz, senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center, is here with some answers later on Washington Watch. And finally, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo declaring a state of emergency in New York. We know how to deal with an epidemic. What we want to say is we want to do with gun violence what we just did with COVID. That's what we want. We want the same level of attention, the same level of energy. Look what we did with COVID. Wow, that's not too reassuring. The reality is New York is not alone. The New York Times reported last month a sampling of cities across the U.S. saw an 18% increase in murders and gun violence compared to the same time last year. Now, Democratic leaders are quick to blame guns, but could it be the left's attack on law enforcement? That is fueling this lawlessness in America's biggest cities. We'll talk about it with the former mayor of Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Ohio, Ken Blackwell, later here on Washington Watch. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. And love to hear from you. Email me, Tony at TonyPerkins.com. And if you've got questions, I'm going to be uh, in, in, in some upcoming broadcasts, going to be uh, delving into some questions. We routinely get those. And I'm going to uh, go through some of the issues. So if you've got some questions, want something addressed, email me, Tony at TonyPerkins.com. Also, be sure and download the Stand Firm app. You can find it at the App Store. That way you can listen to Washington Watch no matter where you might be in the country or the world for that matter. But it also will allow you to receive alerts, legislative alerts, so that you can take action. Remember, our republic was made for participants, not spectators. So download the app, Stand Firm app, get it at the App Store. All right, the U.S. Uh, was millions of shots away from meeting President Biden's goal of having 70% of American adults vaccinated with at least one dose of the COVID vaccine by July the 4th. 
So yesterday, the Biden administration announced the launch of targeted community-by-community, door-to-door outreach to get the remaining Americans vaccinated. You might recall, those of you who've been around a little longer, Ronald Reagan, he made a, uh, a a famous quip one time. He said this. He said, the nine most terrifying words in the English language. I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. Well, not surprisingly, conservatives are opposed to the idea. Joining me to talk about this and more is Congressman Ralph Norman. He is a member of the House Oversight and Reform Committee and the Homeland Security Committee. He represents the 5th Congressional District of South Carolina. Congressman Norman, welcome back to the program. Glad to be with you, Tony. I'm not too excited about having a bureaucrat knocking at my door asking me if I've had the COVID-19 shot and I want to get one. Tony, the truth of the matter is none of the government's business to knock on your door and ask you if you've had the vaccine or not. Now, I don't think they're, uh, they're physicians. I don't think they are parents of the household they're going to. I don't think they're caretakers. And my question is, is very simple. Why are they doing, setting the arbitrary rate of 70% and then going to people's homes in America when, why aren't they going to the cities that have been burned and looted? Why aren't they going on the border? And while the million and a half to two million that they're letting in, why aren't they testing them? Uh, why aren't they checking them for the new strain of the virus? Uh, why aren't they going to the businesses to ask how we can help you on inflation? The bottom line is this administration is doing everything it can to mask the real problems uh, in this country. I don't think they understand it. I don't think they care. And uh, this is just another example of the overreach of the federal government. Last time I checked, Tony, the states formed the federal government, not vice versa with the federal government forming the states. Uh, Good point. And uh, something the federal government needs to be reminded of from time to time. The, the the left is now politicizing this issue of the COVID-19 vaccine uh, or shot, uh, not that they haven't before, but being more blatant about it, where uh, there appears to be targeting of Republican males who are in the highest category of those not getting the vaccine. Uh, they're now making it Trump supporters are uh, those that have not gotten vaccines. Those living in the South have a lower rate of vaccination. Um is politics driving this? Well, the hatred of Donald Trump is driving this. Their derangement uh, with ma- letting government control everything, their derangement on trying to stay in power. And uh, it's time for we the, we the people to fight back. You know, I was one of the four that took the mask off, or maybe six in Congress. You know, Ms. Pelosi put a fine on any any that didn't wear it in the chambers. When her, her when, as speaker, she admitted a congresswoman who had COVID. She put them in the balcony, but uh, we took it off. We took the fine. We didn't really care what they were going to do. It's just an overreach of government. And yes, it's politics. It's a fear tactic that they're continuing to try to try to use uh, when it's it's not going to work. And it's, it's time for, for all of us, elected officials and just we the people as citizens to say, no, we're not doing this. When private businesses uh, should decide what they want to do and if it makes sense for them to their customers to wear a mask. And uh, it is simply is a is shocking that uh, he's been in office, what, 167 days now? And this is his priorities? It's, it's out of control. 
Uh, Congressman Norman, speaking of masks, you and some of your colleagues, uh, I think uh, uh, Congressman Crenshaw is kind of leading this effort to uh, say enough of the mask on public transportation. Uh, the We've seen a rise in confrontations with passengers and airline personnel because, quite frankly, people are tired of this. It, it goes back to what you said. This is about fear. It's a fear tactic uh, to try to scare people so that they can be easily led. Do you see the end of this mask mandate coming? No, I do not. I think, in fact, I think it'll get worse. I think they'll try to, to mandate this along with other things to keep the narrative going that the government is, is uh, the, our keeper. Uh, they're going to mandate uh, that uh, this is important. And who's to make, who's to say that they, they won't increase it to 100%? There are a lot of people who don't believe in a vaccine. That's called personal freedom. That's called their right uh, to choose to get a vaccine versus not get a vaccine. And it's so hypocritical, Tony. I mean, the, the millions that are coming across the border with uh, who knows what they've got. Uh, and, and to not take steps with that and, and to, to even waste a press conference on saying this, I'm fighting it with Dan Crenshaw with this bill to repeal it. Uh, I think they've, they've tried, they're trying to extend it through September 13th, uh, and it's, it makes no sense, and it's not the role of the federal government to do this. At what point do you, is it going to take the election? Is that when we're going to see a turn? The Democrats are so wed to these fear tactics that we're not going to see any of these measures that restore the rights and freedoms of Americans in the wake of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Is that what it's going to take, an election? Well, obviously, we've got to take the gavel away from Ms. Pelosi. As Speaker, she has tremendous power. Uh, as your viewers probably know, she sets the committee, she sets the agenda, uh, she, you know, selects the people that are to testify, and it's got the, the power of the Speaker is, is immense. So that's one part of it. But the other part is for everyday uh, politicians uh, to advocate for everyday Americans to get involved on the local school level, to the city councils, to the county councils, and in state legislatures. Get involved with these issues. Voice your opinion. You know, you always hear from the left. Uh, they always are the loudest. And I don't think they have the numbers. They're just loud. And we've got to get our voice back in America. Uh, and we've got to have freedom of speech because we're being silenced uh, with big tech and social media, and we've got to fight back. We cannot continue just to remain quiet because look where it's gotten us. And I will tell you, Tony, politicians are not going to get the job done. You get, it's got to be we the people demanding it. Uh, Congressman Norman, I think you're absolutely right. I think there is been uh, there has been clearly an effort a combined effort, not just of big tech, but of the left, of, you know, labeling. You know, if, if you're against something, they label you as, a, you know, racist, as homophobic, as, uh, you know, all these different titles they throw out there, basically to cause Americans to retreat into silence. And that's the last thing we can do. We have to stand in the face of their opposition, their intolerance, and in demand that we have a right to speak, we have a right to shape the future of this country, and we're not going to go away silent. We, we've got to ring the bells for freedom, and we've got to do it at every level, from the pulpit to every level of government. We've got to encourage our elected officials uh, to, to do so, and we need to take action on those who don't. 
And that's why it's so important to get involved. And look what where politicians have gotten us so far. Uh, it's time for action at, at every level, and it's time to uh, f- for groups to get together and 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 let our views be known, and back it up with you know going to work to replace those who want to rule every facet of our lives. And the only way we do that is 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 for the we the people to get involved. And I think we are. I see a, a reawakening in America, and Americans, as you mentioned, are scared. Um, they're scared because of, of the violence that's taking place. They're scared because of who's coming across the border, who are completely unknown, who's getting in. They're scared of the drug situation. I mean, you name it, we can go down the list. And for this this administration to to go door to door on on vaccinations is astounding to me, and it's it's uh, it really is an insult to the taxpayers. Yeah, and it uh, it, it is. The, the totally opposite priorities that they should be pursuing at this time. Congressman Ralph Norman, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. You know, and folks, to that point about the fear, this is this is how they're driving people through fear, the fear mongering, because when people are afraid, they'll listen to this nonsense. And as believers, as Christians, we should not make decisions or take actions out of fear. We're not to fear. We're not to have a spirit of fear, but a power and a might and a sound mind. That's not what the Lord has not given us fear as a means of motivation. We need to stand in the face of this fear mongering and speak truth. All right, don't go away. Coming back on the other side of the break, we've got more Washington Watch to come. Don't go away. When it comes to reading the Bible, sometimes it can be difficult to know where to start or to understand how to apply scripture to everyday life. There are also those passages that leave people scratching their heads, wondering what some things even mean and what they're supposed to make of it. We all know that scripture is divinely inspired and given by God, and it's useful to us as God uses it to prepare and equip us to do good work for his kingdom, to grow us and to bring us closer to him. God's Word is powerful, but it shouldn't intimidate you. That's why Family Research Council offers the Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. It's a two-year plan that helps you read the Bible daily so you can stay grounded in God's truth, navigate our culture from a biblical worldview, and grow closer to God. This plan will help you to practice the discipline of reading Scripture every day so you can be transformed by God's Word. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org slash Bible. God is the author of life and has created man in His image. Therefore, we must respect the inherent dignity of every human life, from conception until natural death. That is why Family Research Council works to pass legislation that highlights this principle, including laws that protect the unborn. To keep you informed on this issue, FRC has created online maps that illustrate progress in each state on key pro-life laws. That way, you can know if your state legislators are working to protect unborn babies. The pro-life laws FRC tracks at the state level include those addressing late-term abortions, fetal dignity, defunding abortion businesses, and providing medical care for babies born alive after an attempted abortion. See where your state stands on pro-life abortion. Check out our pro-life maps at frc.org slash pro-life maps. 
Most Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, but current research shows that only 6% actually have one. This means that most of our friends and neighbors, including those who attend church, don't think about the day's moral and cultural issues through a biblical lens. Increasingly, we see the disastrous effects of a culture that has rebelled against the truth of God's Word. That is why Family Research Council has launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. This center is an exciting new ministry created to help Christians develop and live by a biblical worldview, to understand why scriptures must be authoritative, and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. The experts at FRC's Center for Biblical Worldview provide research and resources to help prepare believers to give a biblical answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access the center's free resources at frc.org slash worldview. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, this this month uh, marks the 100th anniversary of the Chinese Communist Party. And as the CCP holds celebrations and sings the praises of communism, one governor in the United States wants to make sure that the voices of those who have suffered at the hands of communism are not drowned out by the CCP. Joining me to talk about this and more is Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts, who has designated July as Victims of Communism Remembrance Month. Governor, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. So, Governor, what prompted you to issue this declaration? Well, with the 100th anniversary of the CCP, I knew that the CCP would be looking to sing their own praises, as you were talking about. And I wanted to make sure that people remembered that the implementation of communism has led to nearly 100 million deaths worldwide. To put that in perspective, more people have died at the hands of communist regimes then died in World War I and World War II combined. And this includes about 65 million in China, about 20 million in the Soviet Union, uh, 2 million in Cambodia, 2 million in North Korea, about a million in Eastern Europe. And we need to remember those stories. And so highlighted that in my uh, hearing room with, uh, for example, one of our teammates whose uncle was killed in Russia just for having a shortwave radio. There was no trial, nothing. He, when the shortwave radio was discovered, he was just shot on sight. And that is what communist regimes do. They deprive people of their rights, and whether it's by shooting, hanging, or mass starvations, millions of people die. Isn't it interesting, Governor, that uh, that's not really being taught today, that we're not, uh, our young people are not learning about what's at the core of communism and Marxism? Yeah, it really is something that we needed to focus on as parents because we're primarily responsible for our kids' education to pick up if the schools are going to drop the ball on teaching this. Uh, you know, Marxism is where communism comes from, and it teaches about class warfare, between, you know, creating conflict within a society and depriving people of their rights. That's the basis of it, whereas our free enterprise system lifts people up and provides for human flourishing and religious freedom. And we can see it to this day in places like China, where the Chinese Communist Party is oppressing people like the Uyghurs. Uh, Christians are being, to this day, are still being 
uh, persecuted there and churches still being destroyed. And that's what we need to make sure our young people know to, to when they see what the propaganda the CCP is putting out, to know the true story of what it means to live under communist oppression. I want to get to uh, the issue of education because you've been holding some town hall meetings on education. But before I do that, as governor of Nebraska, you've actually had some experience with China and you know what the CCP is all about. Yeah. One of the things that we did when I became governor is we went on trade missions to China and it really was an eye opener to see how the Chinese government operated. Uh, We had people, for example, on my trade mission that were harassed and followed and surveilled, had their rooms broken into, and that sort of thing. And that's when I was supposed to be a, a welcome guest. And certainly when President Trump tried to rearrange or, you know, try to play, uh, you know, create a level playing field with regard to our trade relationships, it really highlighted really how the Chinese have been taking advantage of us. Um, and the Chinese Communist Party was continuing to steal, for example, our intellectual property. Uh, so we really have to take a longer view of what our relationship with China will be like and take into consideration all these factors, the the human rights, the intellectual property, the trade, security, all these things have to be considered as a whole uh, to make sure that we've got an appropriate relationship with China, that we get them to start behaving according to international norms uh, and really not letting them take advantage of us like they have for so many years. Well, uh, I, for one, Governor, appreciate you taking this opportunity to educate not just the citizens of Nebraska, but really as a governor, you know, I hope some of your other colleagues uh, and some of the other states would follow suit uh, because where the schools are failing, uh, maybe, as you said, clearly the parents are the ultimate responsibility, but maybe governors could prompt those parents to have these conversations with the facts of what communism means uh, in terms of not just our freedom, but life and death. Uh, when you talk about the 100 million that uh, lost their lives in the 20th century to uh, to communism. But speaking of education, you've been hosting uh, some town hall meetings, protect our kids and school uh, town hall meetings. Uh, we talked about this a couple of months ago. Uh, tell our listeners what's going on there in the schools in Nebraska. Yeah, so our State Board of Education, which does not report to me, they're a separately elected board, is actually who's responsible for our Department of Education and setting the standards for our schools. And they've recently put out some draft standards that involve sex education that really would sexualize our children. And some of the stuff is just truly shocking. Some of it's uh, non-scientific. Some of it's politically charged. Some of it's things that really just should be taught at home by the parents. And really, it was developed with the help of political groups like Out Nebraska, which is an LGBTQ group, and left out mainstream groups like my chief medical officer or the Nebraska Catholic Conference, which educates about 10% of the kids in our state. So I've been calling for those, those standards to be scrapped. And because the state board does not report to me, it really needs parents to get involved and reach out to the state board of education to attend their meetings, to give input on this, to get local uh, school boards to pass resolutions against these sex, edu- uh, sex education standards that really are sexualizing our, sexualizing our children. In fact, when I talked to one pediatrician, she told me that these standards were really grooming 101. And it really is just, again, the material is just shocking. So the first thing I do is just tell people, go read the standards, and, and you'll be horrified about what's in them. And that's where we have to act and get the state board to really reconsider what they've, uh, what they've done. Uh, Governor, very quickly, we've got a lot of listeners in Nebraska. What can they do to help you? 
Well, first thing, go to the Department of Education's website, education.ne.gov, and read the standards. And then contact your State Board of Education member. You can find that on that website as well. There's also an email address, ned.standardsinput at nebraska.gov, and they can send an email that way. State Senators have put together a model resolution to take your board. Do that. Sign up on my website, governor.nebraska.gov, to get updates. Uh, and just really stay on top of this issue because it's going to be uh, evolving over the next several months, and it's important that we get the State Board of Education at these standards. There's no fixing them. Uh, they just have to be dropped. All right. Uh, we'll encourage folks to do that. Governor, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to talk with you. Great. Thank you very much for having me on, Tony. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, folks, uh, coming up next, we discussed yesterday the National Education Association's blatant promotion of critical race theory talking about education they're saying they will teach it in the 14,000 school districts across america come hell or high water well yesterday they quietly removed the documents they approved last week why we talk about it next don't go away are you looking for a go-to platform where you can get relevant commentary on the cultural issues of the day from a biblical perspective Today, it can be hard to find this in light of media censorship of conservative and Christian voices. Here at Family Research Council, we believe that every American has a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. And we think it's important for you to have access to these stories. To get the facts and stories the left doesn't want you reading, head over to frc.org blog to check out our newest blog posts. We cover the issues you care about, all written by our experts in policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview. Our experts unpack the topics that other media platforms won't, like current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the increasingly radical shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, go to frc.org slash blog. We're seeing more and more cases of censorship and the canceling of many conservatives and Christians by big tech companies. To combat this, Family Research Council has chosen to be proactive before big tech tries to censor or cancel us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom, even if big tech tries to silence us. It's easy. You just sign up for the text alerts by texting STAN to 67742, and you'll get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAN to 67742, and FRC will keep you looped in on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll get information on our upcoming events and programs. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for faith, family, and freedom, and keep you connected with the like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. You're listening to Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, on Monday, the New York Times published a joint opinion piece by a cross-partisan group of quote-unquote thinkers that included uh, Camille Foster, David French, Jason Stanley, and Thomas Chatterton Williams. The title of the piece, well, that depends on when you access the article, originally titled Anti-Critical Race Theory Laws Are Un-American, the piece is now we disagree on a lot of things except the danger of anti-critical race theory laws. 
Now, together, the group claims laws barring the divisive teaching of CRT, quote, threaten the basic purpose of a historical education in a liberal democracy, end quote. Well, do they? Here to help us answer that question and more is Stanley Kurtz, Senior Fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. Stanley, welcome back to the program. Tony, thanks so much for having me. Hey, before we jump into this, which you've written a piece to, and I've got posted on my website, TonyPerkins.com, yesterday the NEA, uh, after last week having passed a number of measures promoting critical race theory and what they were going to do in teaching it in the 14,000 school districts across America, all of a sudden they disappeared from their website. What's going on there? It's really amazing, Tony. Uh, you know, for some time, the uh, the left has said, oh, we don't teach critical race theory. That's an abstruse legal theory, and it's really not involved in the schools at all. And that that argument was destroyed when the teachers, the biggest teachers union in the country, the National Education Association, passed a resolution saying we plan to teach critical race theory. Uh, and so <laughs> When when conservatives and opponents of critical race theory realized this, uh, they publicized it. They mentioned that the arguments up to now have been totally contradicted, and now the NEA took took it off the site. Well, it's too late. The cat is out of the bag. They are in favor of critical race theory. So now we know what we're up against, uh, but there are some – I don't know that I would call them conservative allies, libertarian allies, maybe, uh, that are critical of some of the efforts you've been behind and certainly what we've been promoting, and that is parents getting involved, legislators getting involved, stopping this nonsense uh, that is masquerading as education, which is nothing more than indoctrination. Absolutely, Tony. And I think that op-ed in the New York Times was really off-base, certainly to use phrases like un-American. And you have people here... Some of them, actually, this one, one fellow, Jason Stanley, is a leftist who really attacks free speech, so it was quite extraordinary to have him on the article. But other, other authors of that article have been focused on campus free speech. But what I think they miss is there is a fundamental difference between K-12 and higher education. Uh, people, uh, children in K-12 are not mature adults. They are not in a position to hear a variety of points of view in different courses that they take and make an independent decision. As younger people, they are vulnerable to uh, the impressions made on them by their teachers. Not only that, but K-12 is something that you are compelled to attend. Of course, if the uh, family can shoulder a very significant financial burden, they have the option of going to private school. But as a first resort, the government forces you to go to K-12. So these children are a captive audience. They are children. And now they have to hear people telling them that they should feel bad about the color of their skin, that they're privileged and even responsible for all of the past errors that anyone of their skin color happened to make 100 or 150 years ago, this is outrageous. And it is not something that falls into the category of free speech as it would in a college classroom. Again, because of the compulsion and because of the maturity. It is entirely proper. And the law, the, this op-ed acted as though the legality of this K-12 legislation was some kind of minor detail. 
But the fact that you are able to legislate what is taught in government-run schools is part of a very important principle. K-12 is rightly responsive in the classroom to democratic decision-making. That's not the case with higher ed classroom, and that distinction is very important. Well, Stanley, reminds me of how the left was pushing back, you know, 40, 50 years ago, saying, well, we can't have prayer. We can't have the Ten Commandments in our schools because kids are so impressionable. Uh, You know, we don't want people imposing religion on them because they're impressionable. Isn't that what they're doing right now with the CRT and with all this nonsense coming out of the 1619 project? Absolutely, Tony. And another problem with this op-ed was they said, well, instead of these laws – what you need to do is file lawsuits because, in fact, these, uh, the CRT is uh, a civil rights violation. Well, first of all, that admits that CRT is a fundamental violation of American uh, principles of equality and rights. That's quite an admission. And secondly, we've now had three decades of lawsuits trying to fix these uh, campus uh, speech codes and speech zones. And you know what? Uh, We always win when we take them to court, but somehow the colleges find ways to keep them there. So you have these young, impressionable students are going to be subject to being told that there's something wrong with their skin color. And maybe if we're lucky, three decades later, the problem will be fixed. I'm I'm sorry, but that's not acceptable. Uh, You hear that music. We're out of time. But very quickly, you've been on this from the start with the critical race theory. Are people catching on to what's happening in the schools and getting engaged? Absolutely, Tony. And I think next year we're going to see a wave of further state legislation. Now, I do have model legislation that I think the one thing about this op-ed was it pointed to some technical problems in some of the bills, which are legitimate. And I don't think that my model legislation is subject to that. And more and more states are picking up that. Also, we've got this problem with action civics where they force the kids to protest. And and, uh, my model can solve that as well. All right. You got to leave it there. Stanley, good to talk with you. Folks, don't go away. We're coming back. What is religious freedom and why should you care about it, both domestically and internationally? By definition, religious freedom is the freedom to hold religious beliefs of one's choice and to live according to those beliefs. At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a harrowing reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to mount in many regions of the world. God calls Christians to care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To learn more about this issue and what you can do to help, go to frc.org slash IRF to check out Family Research Council's latest resources on international religious freedom. Christians are called to seek after the Lord above all things. This means we must pray unceasingly, vote our biblical values, and boldly stand for truth. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission every Wednesday as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ to focus their attention on the Lord in every aspect of their lives. Pray, Vote, Stand will help equip you to stand for biblical truth in the midst of a confusing time in our culture. 
Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. This year, let's commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. To watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts, visit PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org. Want honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world? Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch. You can listen to the show whenever it works for you. Go to TonyPerkins.com to stream episodes on demand or listen by radio through American Family and Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, or independent Christian radio stations across the country. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Mike Pompeo, Senator Marshall Blackburn, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Sissy Graham Lynch, and more. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day by tuning into Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Again, that's TonyPerkins.com. Tony Perkins, and you're listening to Washington Watch. Coming up tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, our weekly edition of Pray Vote Stand. Tonight I'll be joined by Ambassador Sam Brownback, former ambassador for religious liberty, uh, religious freedom. Uh, Sam Brownback will be with me. Former Congressman Frank Wolf from Virginia, who spearheaded religious freedom efforts in the Congress for uh, over three decades. And uh, we'll be joined by Pastor Steve Berger of uh, Nashville. All of that tonight at 8 p.m. as we focus on international religious freedom and the persecution of Christians abroad and what you can do about it. Again, that's tonight, 8 p.m., prayvotestand.org. Since reaching a peak in the early 1990s, the number of violent crimes has been on a downward trend. That is, until 2020, when violent crime went up by about 3%. All across the U.S., there were 25% more murders recorded in 2020 than the previous year. Last month, the Department of Justice acknowledged the staggering, that's a, I'm using their word, staggering rise in violent crime and rolled out an effort targeting gun trafficking. And just yesterday, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo declared that his state is going to lead the nation, quote, once again, just like they did with COVID-19. Really, that's uh, frightening. With a comprehensive approach to battling and preventing gun violence. Here's um, uh, just a clip of what he had to say. We know how to deal with an epidemic. What we want to say is, we want to do with gun violence what we just did with COVID. That's what we want. We want the same level of attention, the same level of energy. Look what we did with COVID. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't have anything to do with nursing homes. Well, just like New York, other cities are struggling with this. In fact, we're seeing about an 18 percent rise in violent crime and gun violence across the country. Now, this is typical of the left. They want to turn to guns. But have they considered the left's attack on law enforcement that might possibly be 
what is causing or a major contributing factor to this rise in violent crime. Joining me now to talk about this, former mayor of Cincinnati, senior fellow now for human rights and constitutional governance here at the Family Research Council, Ken Blackwell. Ken, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony, good to be with you. All right, first, uh, respond to uh, to Governor Cuomo and uh, the fact that they're going to lead on this uh, epidemic of gun violence just like they did COVID. Well, that's that's a shame. That's, that's doublespeak coming out of... Uh, the, the governor's mouth. Uh, he, in fact, had very little to do with the success story uh, across this country in fighting COVID. Uh, it was the, the Trump team that put a, a strategy in place that did that. But look, Tony, uh, this, this this burst of, of, of crime in, in our major cities uh, is the result of a playbook that the left is running. Uh, they they want open borders. They are pushing critical race theory that divides, not unites. Uh, they, in fact, have uh, this attack on fossil fuels that's driving energy costs up for low-income folks uh, in, in, in all of our cities and, and in our rural communities. Uh, this is uh, the result of a status model uh, and in fact, what we will see now from the left is that they'll bring guns, not their defunding of the police strategy. Uh, they will, in fact, uh, talk about uh, the the Black Lives Matter, but to them, Black lives don't matter when it comes to the people, the the small babies that are being killed in the womb, you know, and it, and and it doesn't matter to them uh, that there are so many of our young people who have been, in fact, uh, uh, just, just thrown away as, as, as if they're nothing more than a, a disposable Dixie cup. Uh, that's the problem. This is a cultural problem that has been brought about by the, 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 the left's efforts to run God and faith out of the public square, reduce religious liberty, uh, and kill innocent life. No question, the devaluing of human life and abortion and the role that that has played uh, when, you know, life becomes disposable. No, no question. Th- from a practical standpoint, when you're looking at, you know, they're talking about guns. Uh, this is the problem with guns. Well, I'm going to just give you a few numbers here. Um, in New York City, uh, which has the largest law enforcement uh, department in in the country, they're down about 1,500 officers as retirements jumped to 2,600 last year. That was up from 1,500 the previous year. Um, we see Chicago, they're down 700. Los Angeles, down 600. Uh, police are leaving. And I've talked to a number of law enforcement officers that, that I've known from back in my time in law enforcement. They're, they're leaving because they don't have the support of administrations. I mean, you see the Chicago police union uh, voted, uh, took a vote of no confidence against Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Um, I mean, is, is this any surprise? Police are backing up. They're leaving. They're not going out on a limb to be uh, aggressive in enforcement because they don't want the, the administration to pull the rug out from under them and throw them under the bus. You're absolutely right, Tony. And look. Uh, there are those of us who have been saying now for a long time that every city in the United States is becoming a border city. Uh, when in fact you have the Biden administration 
and the radicals on the left, you know, opening our borders not only uh, to to uh, illegal immigrants, but to drugs and human trafficking. Uh, as as a consequence, what we're seeing now is this spike up in in, in crime in our cities, uh, and it, it's it's drug related, it's gang related, uh, and it is related to the fact. Uh, that these mayors, mostly, if not solely, Democrat mayors who have in fact cut and run on those men and women who put their lives on the line every day to serve us, to make our communities safe. And you and I know that when cities are not safe, capital flees their cities, joblessness increases. Now with the compounding problem of rising energy costs, uh, things have gotten under out of control and the Biden administration has no one to blame but themselves. I want to go to uh, New York, back to New York, because Cuomo, Mm -hmm. I think, provides a perfect example of how it should not be done. Uh, You know, for the last four years, he's basically been dismantling uh, their law enforcement uh, system in New York, pushing through uh, laws that uh, basically put more criminals on the street, letting them out of, uh, of, of prison. I'm talking about violent uh, criminals. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, this is a classic, classic move of the left. Create a problem by your stupid policies, then say you have to spend someone else's money to fix the problem. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And all the while shrinking our economy. Uh, Trump had put us on a path of rapid economic growth, job creation, lifting incomes. These guys in a matter of a half year have torn all of that down. Uh, and you're absolutely right, uh, that they, they, they actually, uh, create problems. And it's, it's just like the, the Mad Hatter and Alice in Wonderland, Tony, when he and his f- colleagues were sitting around, uh, the table, they had made a mess in front of them. And instead of cleaning it up, what did they do? He said, let's just move to a clean spot and make another mess. That's the way the left and that's the way the Biden administration operates. They're the Mad Hatter uh, compounded. I mean, if you went back and you dissected this whole thing, reverse engineered it, you go back to the George Floyd uh, killing. All right, which yeah. we all denounce as, as wrong, right. and, and there are bad apples in the bunch of some police officers, but they're not all bad. And But you go back to the Obama administration and the Department of Education where they were beginning to teach protesting. I mean, what we saw on the streets of America was a byproduct or a product, actually, not a byproduct, a product of America's education system and what's been happening in the classrooms, the critical race theories you pointed to, these other things about hating America. So it spills over into the streets. Then you have this turn on law enforcement. And what does law enforcement do? Look, I'm not going to risk my life, my retirement and my family's future. If I can cash out and leave, I am. I'm checking out. So then you have this dramatic rise in crime. Let me give you some of the statistics here. In New York, shootings uh, in, in major cities were up 40% last year. We had uh, the 4th of July weekend, um, 51 deaths related to shooting. Um, nationally, homicides are up 18% year over year. Um, the year 2020 brought the largest single increase ever. 
Cuomo said that the goal is to focus on the hot spots where the shootings are happening and also develop new job training programs to help communities out of poverty. So here it is, spending more of your money when they fail to to recognize the root causes of the problems that their policies have created. Absolutely, Tony. And what we are seeing now is city after city, uh, New York being the kingpin, they are, in fact, becoming killing fields as opposed to fields of dreams. Uh, and that's a shame because America is a land of opportunity. Uh, and, and what we are now watching is, is the left slowly draining uh, opportunity out of our society. And they are looking for a, a, a radical transformation of our constitutional republic. Uh, making it one that's run by a, a one-party governed uh, federal or central government. Uh, that's the status model, and people might get tired of hearing me say that, but I'm going to say it because I've seen it all over this all over this world. And what we're now witnessing is the adoption of a model that should be shoved to the edge bin of history being played out in our country, and and death and destruction are the results. Uh, Ken Blackwell, uh, there is some hope here. There's some good news. Uh, you have some longevity, and you've seen uh, the Mad Hatter at work before making a mess, uh, but you've also seen those come in behind and clean up the mess. We saw it with uh, Donald Trump. You, Trump, you made reference to how he got the economy going in a very short period of time, strongest economy we had, we had seen um, ever um, growing people working historic record lows of unemployment. So it can happen again. It just has to be the will of the people to stand up and say, you know what? Enough of this nonsense. Absolutely. Tony, uh, we have been invested in with human agency. God has invested us with, uh, with the power to affect change and we start at the Family Research Council and across the conservative movement with an understanding that the human condition is not a spectator sport. You cannot sit on the sideline and expect things to happen. This is our Nehemiah cry. Come, let us build together. Let's use our individual and collective human agency to affect change. And we can do that in and through the ballot box. We cannot sit on the sideline. You're absolutely right. Our republic was made for participants, not spectators. Ken Blackwell, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us this afternoon. Good to be with you, Tony. Ken Blackwell, former mayor of Cincinnati, former secretary of state of Ohio, and uh, now a senior fellow for human rights and constitutional governance here at the Family Research Council. You know, um, these statistics, these stories, all the stuff we're talking about can certainly be discouraging and overwhelming. But but let me put this in perspective. All right. We're, we're warned in Scripture that this lawlessness would take place. I mean, Paul wrote about this in Thessalonians. He said, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. That is the Holy Spirit, which is in the church. And so... What I saw over this last year is as the church was locked down and the church stepped back, lawlessness went forward and it expanded. 
here's the here's the the solution the prescription for lawlessness it is the presence of the church it is the presence of the holy spirit in the church that restrains and so as as you've heard repeatedly from all of our guests today we don't need to step back we don't need to be silent we don't need to be intimidated we don't need to be fearful about what's going on we need to stand boldly and courageously speaking truth. We know this nonsense is nonsense. Don't be afraid to say that. Don't be afraid to call stupid, stupid. Oh, that's not polite. I don't care. Our country is at stake. The future of our children. We have the answers. We have the solution. We need to be involved. You, you're going to hear this from me until you're probably going to turn it off. But we need to think about what our role is. Pray about what our role is. Maybe it's to run for the city council. Maybe it's to run for the school board. Maybe it's to run for the state legislature. Maybe it's to run for Congress. I don't know. Maybe it's to support those who do. But one thing I know is that we all must speak truth, and we must stop being fearful, and we must not lose heart. We must not ever throw in the towel. You know, as I said, uh, or as I talked about before, Luke chapter 18, Jesus talks about this. It'd be a great passage to read tonight about how men ought not lose heart, but they ought to pray. So join us tonight at 8 p.m. as we pray, vote, stand. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.